welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Diego was a young army soldier who had been deployed to Iraq. It was early 2003, and coalition forces were gathering on the border between Kuwait and the fortress empire of one Saddam Hussein. Back home in Texas, his parents were beside themselves with concern. Would their boy come home safe from war? Would he survive? Lately, it must be admitted, mom and dad had lived well on the fringes of Christianity. And there were bills to pay and jobs to hold down, so church kind of took a back seat. In fact, for years now, the family hadn't darkened the door of the sanctuary that used to be their spiritual home. But now, on this very pivotal weekend, they felt the urge to go. It would be good to go to church, pray for Diego, and to sense what that other people were, were praying also. So, so they went. After such a long hiatus, they really didn't recognize anybody, and the pastor was new to them. But during the Bible study part of the program, they sent a written prayer request up to the pulpit. Our boy is heading towards Baghdad, they wrote. Please pray for his safety. Well, of course the church did, and the pastor was delighted that this couple had come to visit. But here is the hard thing I have to tell you. Just a few hours after that Sabbath morning spiritual reunion, army vehicles came driving up to the home of those parents. A sober-faced lieutenant got out and came to the front door. He told this ashen-faced couple the news every parent fears. Their boy had been among the very first casualties in battle. A car bomber had approached four soldiers and then detonated himself. All four American servicemen were instantly killed, and Diego was among them. Now think about that. This news comes to that family on the very day when they finally prayed. They go back to church for the first time in a decade. And a few hours later, there is a massive explosion, limbs flying everywhere, and then the awful quiet of death. Where is God now? After years of spiritual neglect, things are fine. A mom and a dad finally take their first steps towards faith again, and they're hit with this tragic announcement before the sun goes down that very day. What do you do? What do I do when doubt and disappointment invade our world? Have you ever been discouraged? <laughs> That's a foolish question. Of course, we all have. Hard times come along. Money troubles loom. Our children, as much as we love them, cause us emotional distress as they go down the wrong paths. And I know as well as you, the temptation in times of emotional darkness is to begin to turn away from God. 
I don't think we all stop believing. We don't move into the camp of atheists, but something nags at our heart and says, you know, if God isn't going to help me here, then I have to protect myself. I'll put up a shell around me. I'll refuse to be vulnerable, along with the discouragement and all of the doubt. Now, I want to tell you some good news today, and here it is. God still loves us when we struggle with doubt. In fact, there are two biblical sagas where the doubts of people close to Jesus are so severe, they spell hope for every single one of us. Now, one of them occurs in the heart of John the Baptist. Now, maybe you remember that John is Jesus' own second cousin. That's right. Mary and Elizabeth were themselves cousins. And we read in Luke chapter 1, with John being born about six months before Jesus. So here is an older cousin who knows the miracle story of Jesus' virgin birth. He has heard about and even seen healing miracles. He has heard Jesus preach. He has encouraged his own followers to switch their loyalties and follow him, the Messiah. He has announced to the crowds that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. John personally heard the voice of God in heaven after the baptism, announcing his pleasure in his only begotten son. So if anyone should never have doubted, it was John. He is without excuse. However, we read in Matthew 14 that King Herod had taken this fiery preacher out of his Jordan River parish and tossed him in prison. We don't know exactly how long he was there, but you can then read back three chapters and we find the cousin of Jesus succumbing to discouragement. From his prison cell, he is able to send an entourage over to where Jesus is ministering. And here is the question he has for them to ask of him. Matthew chapter 11 and in verse 3. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? What does Jesus do with that? It must have been keenly disappointing to him to have his own cousin, his own partner in evangelism, express his doubt. I mean, what hope is there for this fledgling kingdom if a giant like John the Baptist was wavering? But I want you to notice two key points. First, Jesus doesn't shout or launch into a tirade. He doesn't even criticize John for his moment of weakness. The second thing Jesus does is this. He quietly reminds his cousin through these messengers of the evidences John had already seen. Matthew 11, back there again, this time to verse 5. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. So here is a powerful object lesson for us. When doubts creep in, 
when Lucifer knocks at our front door and he's wielding that dangerous sort of discouragement, what do we do? We quickly hasten to the record book and we remind ourselves of all of the evidence we have already seen that we serve a mighty Messiah and a miracle worker. Jesus has done great things before. He has redeemed souls. He has healed homes. He has changed lives and restored peace in the midst of many storms. Even if right now, this very day, things look dark for you or you're in a prison cell of sorrow like John, we still serve a Savior who liberates and drives away all of the shadows. You know, we've mentioned a number of atheists who simply allowed the hard times and the doubts to get the better of them. The Christian apologist C.S. Lewis was one of these. His mother died when he was a young boy, even though he had prayed to heaven with all of his might. After her death, he actually continued to pray for a resurrection miracle, and that didn't happen either. So he soon drifted into an angry atheism that lasted for two decades. Years later, now a man with a solid Christian faith and an abiding trust in God, he wrote in his classic treatise, Mere Christianity, about the fact that moments of doubt come our way. They bombard the atheist too, he observed with a wry smile. What can God's child do to protect himself from the wild mood swings of discouragement and doubt? Well, the first step, he writes, is to recognize the fact that your moods change. That next is to make sure that if you have at any time in your life accepted Christianity, then some of its main points shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. This is why daily prayers and religious readings and church-going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. Now, in the very next paragraph, he reasons as a man who would know that many people don't lapse away from their first faith relationship because some brilliant atheist reasons them out of it on a long coast-to-coast -coast airplane ride. No. Too many believers simply drift away. They don't shore up their faith during the good times with Bible promises and scriptural principles. They don't reflect on the fulfilled prophecies the great stories of faith in the Old and New Testaments and the tales of faith and God's abundant power. Then, when the storms come along, as Jesus himself predicted in his Matthew 7 parable, and our kids sing, the house on the sand goes splat. Two loyal believers who really fell into the temporary trap of letting go of the hand of faith. Two of them would be a disciple's name, Cleopas and his friend. You can read in Luke chapter 24 about how these two men, staggering home to Emmaus, 
on a Sunday afternoon, blinded by their tears, unaware that Jesus has already risen from the tomb. They've forgotten the incredible miracles they saw Christ do. And somehow his verbatim promises about coming out of the grave on the third day have slipped their minds. In fact, when a mysterious fellow traveler hooks up with them and hikes along for the seven-mile journey, he chides them for taking their eyes off the ball. Come on, guys. He almost says, didn't the prophets tell us it would happen like this? Isn't it actually right that the Messiah should fulfill these things by, by suffering for a lost world? And then haven't we been told that he would enter into his glory? And the two men, you know, blushingly say, well, yes. And, and when they dry their eyes and look real hard at who's sitting with them at the supper table, of course, their faith returns. What else can cause a Christian to falter and go into the twin ditches of doubt and discouragement? A couple of stories in the life of Voltaire are eye-opening. Often God's people lose their way when they see some of God's other people abusing the crowns of power or behaving like hypocrites and tyrants. In his book, The Story of Philosophy, Will Durant tells us how this brilliant young thinker saw abuses creeping into the church of that era. He saw unbiblical practices such as the teaching that God's struggling children should be required to confess their sins to an earthly priest. It's almost a bit amusing as Durant tells us the story because Voltaire, ever the skeptic, asked the priest, how come? Where in the word of God did it say we should go sit in the confessional and bear our souls to another mere mortal? Well, the priest directed him to the book of James, chapter 5, and verse 16. There we're told, therefore confess your sins to each. All right, that was plain enough. So Voltaire placed himself in the hot seat and duly confessed his sins. But now you and I can both smile as we hear what happens next in Durant's words. When he had done, he dragged the cleric from the confessional chair, placed him in the seat, and bade the priest confess in turn. Come, my friend, it is said, we must confess our sins to one another. I have related my sins to you, and you shall not stir until you recount yours. Well, the red-faced cleric wasn't willing to bear his own soul in this religious role reversal game, and a disgruntled Voltaire left the church, yet with another pillar knocked out of his faith foundation. Has that ever happened to you? Listen, I know full well that our churches, our pastors, sometimes disappoint us. I grew up attending churches that were filled with well-meaning parishioners, led by sincere men of the cloth, yet I saw biblical doctrines that didn't seem to square with the Bible. Now, should that make us abandon the Christian faith? 
Should we embrace our doubts or should we embrace the direct word of God with greater dedication and enthusiasm? Do you see the point? Voltaire fell into another trap that so often ensnares Christians today. The church is full of hypocrites, they sigh on the way out the back door. Ironically, people often find themselves in a pit of questions and doubt because of reading this book right here. That's right. Some people read the Bible and come away with more questions than answers, and they detour into discouragement. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever sat in a mathematics class and felt lost or confused? Ever read a manual on how to do PowerPoint on your laptop and couldn't figure it out? Ever read a difficult essay or a newspaper editorial, and when you were done, you went, huh? We all have. We are finite human beings surrounded all the time by challenges that are presently above us and beyond us. Most of the time, we are mature enough to take a deep breath and just keep on going. If we can't decipher a page in our automotive manual, well, we ask someone at the dealership. If Windows 10 has us baffled, we call the toll-free number. We just hit Control-Alt-Delete and we just start over. But there have been atheists who started down that path because something in God's Word seemed to contradict what they were sure was right. Now, let me say something here very plainly. Listen, there are things in God's Word that I don't understand. There are passages where two or three interpretations are possible. There are doctrines where not all Christians and believers agree. You know, there's a book in my own Adventist faith that many of us have read and reread over the years. It's simply entitled Steps to Christ by Alan G. White. Let me tell you something. The next to last chapter is entitled what to do with doubt. And then the last chapter is entitled Rejoicing in the Lord. Now, I don't think that's an accident. When we have doubts about the Bible's claims, we need to hang on to the hand of God and then keep rejoicing in the Lord. But the author then makes this point. The Bible is a saga of infinite wisdom. It comes to us from the mind and the heart of an infinite God. There is not a chance in the world that finite mankind could ever comprehend it fully. Would we even want to? I mean, to fly in a little spaceship to the end of the universe, to come to the very end of wisdom and say, here I am, there is no more. Now, I can't answer every question because I don't know every answer. But let me share from my heart two wonderful realities. First of all, there are so many things we can know. We have a God of love. That much is absolutely plain. The Bible says it and it proves it over and over. We have rescues, miracles, encouragement, hope, eternal life, and forgiveness. All of these things are clearly and unequivocally declared for our encouragement. Instead of jettisoning 
uh, Christianity over the things we don't understand, why not celebrate, embrace, and proclaim it for the flood of wonderful truths that we do see here clearly? Secondly, it's always true that the more we abide in God's care, continuing to trust in Him, the more questions He will answer. God wants to lead us into truth. In fact, that's the specific role of the Holy Spirit. I've had my mind satisfied on many issues that used to be hard questions, but are now plain to me. I used to grapple with the issue of hellfire and punishment, but today I'm satisfied in my mind that God's plan is a loving and everlasting solution. Let's always take steps to Christ, never away from Him. What do you say? Do that now while we pray. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the truths you have revealed in the pages of Scripture. Father, I pray that if anyone is in the ditch of discouragement or in the ditch of doubt, that you may draw near to them. They may sense your presence, be encouraged and strengthened to come back into the arms of a loving Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that moment in our program where we have our special offer. Each and every broadcast, we like to put a resource out to you as a gift from Lessons for Living Television that will help you better to better understand who God is and what His will is for your life. And I'm really excited about this offer. This is the very first time we've offered this. Uh, I have a book here in my hand. It's called The God of the Impossible. And what makes this book so special for me is that it is written by a dear friend of mine, a colleague in ministry, Pastor Rene Lopez. He actually ministers uh, right now in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. And this is the first book he's authored. And it's a wonderful book. It's called The God of the Impossible. He says here, God of the Impossible seeks to guide us towards the goal that God has in mind for each and every one of us. I would love for you to receive this book as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. There is no cost to you. In fact, this book will arrive in your home postage paid. It's a gift. Please, Reach out and order this book, this gift from Lessons for Living. How do you do that? Well, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. 
If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of our program. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, just want to say to you, listen, I made reference in my message to that book, Steps to Christ. And uh, we didn't offer it as a gift, but if you haven't read that book and you'd like to, to have it, just do this. Just send me an email directly to me, bill at l4ltv.com, and just put right in the subject line, Steps to Christ, Give me your address, your mailing address. I'll make sure you get that book. It's a wonderful book. Many people say that that book, Steps to Christ, next to the Bible, was the most influential book in their lives, in their, in their Christian experience. So if, you'd, if you, have, you don't have it, you've never read it and you'd like to, email me, bill at l4ltv.com. Just put in the subject line, Steps to Christ. Make sure you give us your mailing address and I'll get that out to you uh, in the mail. I want to remind you of our website, l4ltv.com. This program, all of the previous programs are accessible on the website. On the website, you can find out where I'll be appearing live. There are archived sermons, different presentations I've done around the country uh, on different topics. You can look at those. You can download a handout to study that. Excellent resource, I think. You can also uh, search for a Bible study group. If you're unable to find a group or you'd like to study on your own online by correspondence with a you know, personal tutor, we can arrange that for you. Just email me again, bill at l4ltv.com. I'll work that out for you. While you're on the website, why not check out the Donate Today tab? You can make a donation to keep the ministry on the air. Every penny that is donated goes directly to paying for airtime, studio time, you know, the costs of the gifts. None of that comes to me in any form of benefit or, or salary. I pastor a church in Toronto. I draw a salary from that. This is a labor of love for us. But if you'd like to help us, if you feel so impressed to do that, then send a donation. We are a charitable organization, so you will get uh, a receipt for income tax purposes. Social media. Follow me on Instagram every morning. I put out a one-minute devotional video. It comes out at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can get access to that. Follow me, Santos underscore Bill. Follow me on Twitter, Santos underscore Bill. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like our Facebook page. Uh, go to soundcloud.com on our Lessons for Living television page there. You can download an audio of this program, and you can carry that with you and listen to it at your convenience. We're, we're rapidly running out of time, but I don't want to go before making reference to our missionnowcanada.com website, which is the humanitarian side of our ministry that does overseas work. We're doing work in, in Paraguay and with the indigenous people in Paraguay in the Chaco region. We've got a container that was shipped to food to Nicaragua. We've got interesting work going on in the Philippines. If you'd like to donate to those activities, you can do that on the missionnowcanada.com website or you can sign up to get information on joining us on an upcoming mission trip. Wow, 
we're rapidly running out of time. Thank you again for joining us. Let's do this again next time. It won't be the same if you're not here. I'll be praying that you will be here with us. God bless you. We'll see you then.